Kiss me, fat boy. 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 Warning: The following podcast contains adult themes, explicit themes, and language. It is not suitable for more sensitive or younger viewers. This is also a fan podcast by Stephen King people who are not affiliated with him on any way. This is actually a book club. It's not even a Stephen King fan club. It's a Stephen King book club podcast. We're going to discuss his stuff, but we have no connection to him or anyone to do with him. And the opinions expressed by those that speak on this podcast are merely those that said it not belongs to anybody else, including sponsors or hosts or other people. Um, Anyway, and also, this is full of spoilers, okay? Spoiler alert, big time. There's cross-references throughout the Stephen King universe in many of his stories. So we're going to be dropping tons of spoilers here. So you've been warned. And also... Uh, there might be something that's triggering um, in this podcast specifically. There's a lot of um, S.A., no? Yes, there's S.A., and then there is also um, abuse to children, abuse, um, domestic abuse, and uh, self-mutilation triggers. So if you have any of those problems, please skip this one, and we'll catch you on the next one, okay? All right, today I'm going to talk about, this is Serena, by myself again. I need to get that permission to play that one song all by myself or whatever. Anyway, I am back on a solo podcast today following up with Lacey's story. I found it on Apple TV and I watched the first episode and um, just kind of going to do a little check-in after each episode. I'm not doing a watch party necessarily, um, but I just kind of want to keep it straight in my head because in all honesty, Lacey's story confused me. The book was very confusing. It had all this ramalama ding dong and um, go make water, go make lemonade, go, you know, pickle juice. I mean, just it was just full of like purple prose um, idioms and expressions, and it was just so distracting. And I get the point was everybody has their super private language, but it just got old. You know, it's like, could you just think? Does everybody sit there and think ramalama ding dong all day? I don't. I just you don't really. You know, thoughts don't, like, articulate in perfect words. You just have feelings and thoughts. So for the narrator just to be like, Ramalama Ding Dong all the time on this, all this inner dialogue, it just was stupid. And, of course, in the book, she is remembering back and forth, back and forth to the point where she's almost being pulled um, out of her body and transported in time. Not literally, but, I mean, she's just kind of, like, sitting there, and she's like, oh, wait, where am I? You know, like, she's so alive and lost in the memories. But it's kind of understandable in the book. Okay? So, I started with the first episode. And um, the cast is great. But I just want to kind of touch base on some of this stuff. So, if I hadn't read this book, I would be so confused. Like, I don't understand how people handle most of the Stephen King books, um not books, movies and miniseries without reading the book. Like, sometimes it's okay, like It, like It and The Shining, it's okay. Um, I haven't read Pet Cemetery yet, but I understood what happened in Pet Cemetery. 
Um, I don't have to be like the deep, the deepness of Stephen King to get it. That's more of a hobby that I've just now developed. And I'm not sure about the Tower movie. I haven't seen that yet. I'm going to actually do the whole Tower series before I even touch that movie. Anyway, speaking of hot men, Edris Elba. So hot. Edris Elba. Did I say his name wrong? Sorry if I did. He's just so hot. Well, speaking of hot guys, um, one of my old-time crushes is in this movie as Scott. And um, Clive Owen. I loved him in, what was that movie? Um, with Jude Law, where everybody was just falling in and out of love. Well, anyway, I love, he's one of my main hot, oh, he's just so hot. Even even his age now, and he's a little bit older, he doesn't look bad, he's, he, he's great. And he's faking an American accent, which I didn't think he could do. So anyway, <laughs> I didn't think he could do that at all. And uh, Julianne Moore, I think, is a very good Lacey. She's coming across amazing. And then Joan Allen, who was just, I watched her in A Good Marriage. She's doing an amazing job as Amanda. And then Jennifer Jason Lee is doing a great job as the other sister. I can't remember her name off the top of my head. Uh, was it Becky or something? I don't know. But anyway, the cast is perfect. The creepy guy, the, the professor, all perfect. Uh, but as I'm watching this show, because Stephen King wrote the screenplay, or the teleplay, whatever you can call it, and he did say he had a change. He was able to change things to make it more, you know, make sense for TV. You have to do a certain thing. Um, he's calling them acts. Just like when you write properly, you have these acts. People don't realize that that's in, it, good writing is like you have act one, act two, and three type thing, just like in a play. But a book is still a type of play in a way. Anyway, so I'm watching this, and I'm just thinking, this is confusing if you don't know what's going on. And maybe my second thought is maybe I didn't really understand the book or did he change it to make it different for whatever reason or to make more sense. But I always, I was under the impression that she was just living in these memories and all this other stuff was going on. They're presenting it like the, the um, bull is to rem help her remember to save her sister in the book, I felt like the bull was just to help her um, deal. He was trying to lead her to the journal, but she remembered Boya Moon. I thought she remembered it. She didn't completely remember, remember it. She had suppressed it, but she was she came to that on her own. And um, the visual of Scott uh, kissing Amanda and putting the water in her to save her and almost like drowning her, that was a little weird because in... The book, it was just like sweet and gentle, like, oh, I took a sip. There's one sip left for me and one sip for you type thing. So this big like waterfall, projectile waterfall weirdness, it was just weird. And then, of course, they're talking about, you know, the pool is, you know, it's uh, dangerous at night. And it's dangerous because you can stare at your reflection forever or you can stare at something in it forever. That was kind of covered in the book. But, um... Anyway, they're laying the basis out as if the clue is to save Amanda. And I was under the impression that the clue was to get to tell the secret of his childhood to Lisey, the thing he could not ever tell her. And also, he knew that Amanda would need this, but it wasn't like the main thing. So maybe I've just messed up. You know, maybe I just didn't. Sometimes I zoned in and out of that book, I'm not going to lie, because I kept, after my 30. 800th Ramalama Ding Dong. I just couldn't take it. But I did 
listen to it, you know. Okay, so the first episode is just, instead of pick starting with her grief and her going through her stuff, it starts with Amanda cutting her hands, and they jump quicker into a different scenario with uh, getting her help and everything. But the last resort was that facility, and I don't recall that Scott set everything up perfectly for that. Um, I really thought that it was something they had already talked about and that she would have to go back to. So if I'm wrong, please uh, feel free to email me at uh, kissmefatboypodcast at gmail.com. Or you can check me out on TikTok, uh, kissmefatboypodcastsk, or um, Twitter, which is now X. Is that what it is? Just X? Whatever it's called. Um, it's at B-E-B-O-W underscore forever. I think that's how it is, but it's under Kiss Me Fat Boys, the name, but that's the handle. So just check me out and um, let me know. So the first episode is um, interesting. Uh, the it's, it's a good way to try to convey all these memories about how she's like sitting there and he's standing beside her. And the only reason why I'm like okay with this because I get to st- stare at Clive Owen a little bit longer than I would because he's dead, you know. So the only way he can be present is through uh, this narration in her head of him showing her their wedding, of him showing uh, when they were dating, of him showing when they um, were going to break up, or him showing when they were helping with Amanda. Like she's having all these, these, uh, you know. And I'm just thinking, wow, you know. It's great. And so they also are showing something that I do not think was in the book. Is um, They're showing the backstory of how this kid, uh, Jim kid, whatever, Jim Dandy, how he gets uh, twisted in with the professor. They're showing, um, they're basically showing it as, um, you know, because it was just implied that he set all that up and he was just there, which, you know, in a book makes sense, but they're they're kind of doing the early on, kind of showing the backstory of that too. And the guy who's playing Jim, he was so good in the staircase, and um, the guy's playing Dashmill. I don't, I recognize him, but I don't recall where he's from. He's a good, he's good too. So like literally a great cast. Um, like I said, I really wouldn't be watching this uh, if it wasn't a Stephen King thing because this is just too cerebral for me, and also. I love Clive Owen, but not enough to endure all this weird cerebral stuff. So there is a little tiny peek at William Moon at the, towards the end that shows, you know, a, a lighthouse and her standing in some kind of differently colored dusk type place. And then it sh- you hear the noises of the laughers or the whatever they're called. And then you hear, um, then you see a man with no face. So I thought, oh, okay, we're already getting to it. So that's cool. I hope we get to see a lot more, but I'm really not down with the whole Niagara Falls through the mouth resuscitation. Even if Clive Owen is handing it over, I still would say, no thanks, I'll just take um, a Tylenol PM instead. <laughs> okay, alright, so let me, uh, let me go, uh, let's go a little bit further with this, okay? Okay, so what I did was not what I said I was going to do. I went ahead and just watched the whole thing because it was getting on my nerves. Um, It quickly took a stupid turn, and I didn't like where it was going. And so I just decided to tough it out, watch the whole thing, 
with the hopes that I could figure out what's going on. And um, now this was released in 2021. And uh, it's funny because it's a mini series, but I think it's funny now the modern mini series is really, I think they call them limited series or limited. Isn't that what they call them? Mini series are now limited series, I think. But anyway. Okay, so it seems that the point of the bull hunt is to help Lacey save Amanda when he's gone because he knows that Amanda will turn again like him and go, or like his family, their cutters to get out the bad juju stuff. Then they um, end up going catatonic eventually if they don't get the bad stuff out. And so that's kind of like the framework of the show. And then the side story is that there's this crazy uh, kid that super fan they call space cowboys and uh they he's you know he's asked by the professor to say something and he wants him to pr- apply pressure but then then in this this is the series uh then the professor starts feeling like you haven't heard her and he starts getting second thoughts about everything and then he tells him to stop and then the guy just hangs up on him he got a couple of pages um, from her when he attacked her and mutilated her. They didn't show it, but it was pretty brutal from how they, what well, they did show. They didn't show any actual contact, but they showed him standing over her, like slicing. And uh, with the, I usually listen to things with um, subtitles on because we have people with different levels of hearing in our uh, little circle. And so it was saying slicing on the subtitles, and it kind of creeped me out. Yeah, the uh, he she spent a lot of time just like remembering and having these big open apparitions of Scott walking up to her and talking to her and stuff. And I understood what it was trying to do, like when you someone passes that you love, um, you're dealing with grief. Um, you know, sometimes you can just talk to them in your head. I get that. And you feel like they're answering you back. Hell, they might be answering you back. I'm not a, you know, I, I'm I'm very much open to that kind of stuff. I think a lot of people who listen to Stephen King are probably interested in it, if not open to it. So it's not that big of a deal for her to be interacting with his ghost or his memory or anything like that. That's not a big deal. Um, But I found that... Uh, it just, it was nice to see him, uh, Clive Owen, but I just felt like, um, I don't know, I just, it felt really kind of chaotic. It was like, okay, she's sitting there trying to figure something out. Uh, she just got mutilated and tortured and beat uh, bad by a man, and she's just sitting there. Just kind of like off in La La Land thinking about uh, some guy singing a, a song at their wedding. And um, I just really thought I was going to go so deep, so deep in this. But at the end of the day, half of the movie or the series is her sitting around crying and going in and out of these flashbacks. And it's just it's a lot of wasted time 
to me. Uh, the book had a more of a pace, even though it was annoying. It's almost like they didn't have any Ramalama Ding Dongs in the in the mini series. So the mini series didn't do that, except at the very very end, she had a little snippet saying. Should I say that you um, bought the farm or whatever, take a dirt dirt, um, nap, blah, blah, blah. She did at the very, very end, okay, when she was kind of talking to Scott, you know, in the ether. That was it, okay. So what gets on my nerves is, you know, that to me, that wasted so much time in the book from the and it took away from the story. That was a waste of time, all these Ramalama ding-dongs, um... It just was too much, you know. It was like, seriously, if you read this book, you know what I'm talking about. I don't give a crap. If you liked it, that's fine. But you can't deny that it took up a lot of um, real estate in the book. So, I was so relieved when they didn't have that in the miniseries. However, the real estate that was devoted to the Ramalama Ding Dongs ended up getting taken up with um, her sitting around crying and having these... uh, Half the time, she was like beat up crying almost. And then... The other half, she was having these in and out of reality uh, flashbacks. And it seems like it should be romantic, but to me it was not romantic. I have a personal opinion about their the structure of their relationship, but that's not really... Uh, it would not be... What they have would not be something I could personally be a part of, I guess. I wouldn't want to have a relationship with a person like Scott. Um but she chose that, and that's fine. So to me, it's not very romantic. You know, this idea of him writing all these stories for her and everything, creating this thing. Well, they try to make it seem like that. But the truth was he was going in and out of Boya Moon, and I think all that creative energy was coming. He's tapped into this uh, universe, this other universe, to getting these stories. He also had stories based on what he did as a kid. Um... So, uh, you know, so that's going on. It's just, it's just a lot of all over the place, little chaos and not good chaos. There's been good chaos and things I've seen before. This is not good chaos. Uh, I just kind of wanted something to happen already. And it wasn't like I'm on the edge of my seat. I was kind of like, oh man, can you get on with it, please? So I can, uh, you know, I got like other things to do. That's how I felt about it at the end. The flashbacks to his brother, they changed a lot of things in the story. Stephen King personally did it, so I'm not mad about it. But I'm just going to let you know, in the, uh, Scott, Scott dies in the book because he got, like, a, somehow got contaminated, right, at night. Okay, is the idea. Or, and then in this miniseries, Scott says, she said, uh, Lissy's like, oh, the sun's setting. It looks like a sun setting. It's going to be night soon. And he says, oh, no. It's always the the sun or moon or whatever that is. I guess it's the moon. It's always like that. Um, it's not. There's not day or night. It's just like this twilight all the time. That was not true because then it was like he never went at night except one time he dared to go at night. And then again at because the, that's when the uh, howlers I think they're called. I need to look up the names of these things. And the long boy. That's when they um would be around. In the forest, but also in the dark. So, that was something that was changed big time. Um, also, the idea that his brother went went crazy because the long boy bit him. 
which doesn't make any sense because there was like a the long boy was made up of like a gazillion uh, zombie looking people. I don't even know how to explain it. Please just Google it or if you watched it, you know what I mean? It was very interesting, but I'm just saying it couldn't bite because it didn't have teeth. Its body consisted of a bunch of sentient people. So if something bit him, it was one of those things, which obviously is enough because it's part of it, I'm just saying. So his brother got um, bit by that. He was drawn into the long boy was calling him with the screams. And Scott like, what are you doing? And this when they're kids. And that was the reason why his brother went bad. Not because the bad was in them and it was genetic. Which is not, the, the book is like the bad's in them and it's genetic. It runs down the family line. Either they're crazy and violent and they kill people or they're catatonic. That's like the two versions of it. So that was just the way it was. So his brother went crazy and try to kill him. But they're making it like, oh, he got contaminated by this lung boy. And then uh, his brother bit Scott. And so now his dad's like, yeah, now it's you're contaminated, always being you. So they decided to go that angle with it instead of the real story. But like I said, Stephen King changed it, so he wanted to make it work fine. So he changed that, so there was that, and then also in the beginning, Scott was supposed to jump off of a um, bench, and uh, or he wouldn't stop cutting his brother in the in the movie. It was like, or in the miniseries, it was like he was punching him, but they shouldn't, they couldn't show all the cutting as much. But there was like he wanted him to jump out of a um, hayloft, which is considerably bigger. So, um, little things like that, and, uh, his dad, um, went crazy and tried to kill him, so Scott had to kill his dad in self-defense in the book, in the miniseries, his dad asked Scott to kill him, and got, he got completely blackout drunk, passed out, left a note, and asked him to do it, and he did it, and he tried to, and he said, please bear me by, you know, the brother, I can't remember his brother's name right now. My mind's gone blank to it. Is it Peter? And so he says, you know, bury me next to him. But he was already crazy. And there was like this tranquilizer that they had had. And that was in the book too. That he's like, you know, we'll just put this tranquilizer in him for a while. But then, you know, there was like, that's not enough. Of course, then he attacked Scott and he had, the dad had to kill him. And that was the end of it. So that trank, that trank um, shot you know, it was still in Booyah Moon. Um, he left it. And in the series, he left that t- tied to a yellow string, and she pulled it until she found uh, the lo- the um, secret journal inside of a trunk underneath the sweetheart tree. So, you know, and that's when she found the final story about how he had to kill his father and why he killed his father. So that was the very end of it. But in the, in the interim... Um, after she got tortured by this guy, um, her sister's stories were a little bit different. You know, it was brought up front real quick. Um, the cops, there was a cop that got killed by the crazy guy. That didn't happen in the book, I don't think. Or was, I can't remember. He might have, you know, a lot of this reminds me of, um, the dark half. Because in the dark half, the guy that was on post got killed. So it's hard for me to kind of keep these apart. 
he kind of dips into his other works and does similar um, fact patterns on, over and over again. It's like those old cartoons where you can like put one over the other and they just change the characters. Lisey has gotten her sister. The main the main point was saving her sister, and the minor point was dealing with this psych, this space cowboy psycho super fam. It also shows like flashing to how Scott went to. By the way, the way that they did, they did Scott's like, like decline, physical decline was so stupid. Like I just don't understand this, this like projectile waterfall bullcrap. Okay, so anyway, let me kind of be on the path here. So because there's so many flashbacks, so it's like back and forth, back and forth. So um, the uh, psycho cat, the sp- the space cowboy Jim Dandy, he um. He had tortured Lucy, and he and he got some pages, and he was reading it. And he's like, "This is the most amazing thing ever," and it's like a story about his basically his childhood, and um, he just couldn't believe it. And he keeps saying to her derogatorily, over and over again, "You just warm his bed, Mrs. You just warm his bed. You're just his whore. You're nothing. You're nothing. You're nothing." So just remember that because he's like kind of like you're his concubine or you're. You know, he was the genius, you're nothing, you're not part of it. And she said, we were a team, we did this together, we were both creative together. And he's like, ah, whatever, lady, you're just a, you're just a, he didn't say gold digging, but he basically could have said it. So, which is stupid because she got with him before the huge successes came. But, you know, that is how it is, I guess. People always assume. But anyway, so, he got those pages and he was telling the, um, the professor on the phone, yeah, um, this is amazing. And that's when the professor's like, you got to stop. And he he just hung up on him and cut him off. And um, so, and then, of course, Dashmill was the same guy who was involved in the uh, tennis, the Kentucky Fried Tennessee guy um, that they had that with the spade and the story about him digging and the guy shot him in the lung and almost shot him in the heart. They decided to merge that character into one. So this the Kentucky Fried Tennessee guy was Dash Dashmill, okay? And the guy that was calling from a different college in the book, the one the professor that got set on to him, I'm I'm almost a thousand percent sure that they were two different people because the one came from a different school and I don't remember where, but it wasn't the Kentucky Fried Chicken guy because she they they called him that all the time, Kentucky Fried. Uh, was his nickname, so they've, but anyway, so they merged that character in one person, that's fine, it's just, um, so that professor's like, I don't want anything to do with this, which is kind of loosely what happened in the book, and the guy's like, yeah, I got this, and that's basically what happened in the book, and so she decides to, I think, say she didn't have a phone number, that for him, I don't believe. I don't remember. Anyway, in the book, she's like trying to get away from him, and she needs help, and they're trying to protect her. In the in the miniseries, she sends everybody away, but he ends up killing a cop anyway because that cop decides to check on him. And her sisters are with her, and um, one's got a gun, and Amanda has um, like a hockey stick, and so he shows up, and they're ready for him. And she ends up pulling him into 
William Moon. Now, okay, I forgot. So Amanda was stuck in the mental hospital, and they got her out right before this, and they all got together to unify against this crazy guy. So that is when she found out that the way Scott treated her was through um, that water from the healing pool. And um, he gave her that giant regurgitation. Instead of it being a sweet kiss with just a sip for me and a sip for you, you know, sweet. It was called sweet. That's what it was described in the book. It was like, I mean, just like just grossness. But anyway, that's how he saved her the first time. But in in the miniseries, he prepared a place for her at this hospital and everything. He left um, a bull hunt, all these clues with the um, doctor at the hospital, all these different clues. Instead of just saying what to do, I don't. It's like just leave instructions, okay? You ain't got to do all these stupid things. Like, what if that guy had gotten rid of the book he had? You know, it's just silliness. She. Uh, over time, realizes after she'd been beat up and gone, you know, she ends up going to, Sam I'm getting all over the place. Lissy had just gone to Bullion Moon. She realized, that's when she had her big realization that it was a real place. She had been there a couple times with him, and she had been blocking it, which was from the book, too, that she had not really tapped into that. So she had been blocking that out of her system and then so she taps back into that and she goes to Boya Moon and gets in the pool and gets healed. She also remembers that she in the past had gone to got Scott out of Boya Moon. He was like in a trance and she couldn't get him to stop looking at the water because the water heals you, but it also um, ensnares you because you see something that no one else sees. So he was there watching her and him dance their first dance at their wedding. Her sister Amanda was seeing them playing on a pirate ship that their dad had made them as kids. Her and her two sisters were all playing. So everybody sees something different. And so all these people sitting on these steps, they're shrouded. Some of them are shrouded. Some of them are just sitting there. Some of them have wounds. Um, and Lucy had been getting in Scott's face and he's screaming at him. And everybody's like, you got to be quiet. you got to be quiet. And that's when the long boy came. Um, after that, and he and he went after her, and that's what snapped Scott out of it, and he ran over there, and they ran away, you know, and got, and he snapped out of it, so, that, but he grabbed, ended up grabbing a burned fireman, I think, I think that's what he was described in as his character, just some man, I really didn't pay attention, but, um, so I don't know what the long boy does, and when he grabs him like that, do they become one of these, uh, body part or does he just kill them? Because there are. It turns out that those people sitting in Boya Moon are already dead. They're just not ready to let go yet. So that's a big another thing. Just remember that later. And so, uh, so when she remembers she did that for Scott, uh, she remembers that she did that for Amanda, and he had said something about uh, she had asked asked he gave her kids, and then she realized. He gave her some of that water, so she goes over there and kisses Amanda, and that water comes out. Of course, it comes out violently again, not not at all the gentle, sweet healing um, elixir from the book described. And so that happens, and that's how they were able to go back to the house, because they're a unified front. They say, basically, Dr. Rakul, bye, peace. And so they leave. Reluctantly, the doctor allows them to leave. With Amanda, they go back to the house. They get rid of the cop because she had told 
she had left a message for Scott. I don't know if she had just, I can't remember how she delivered it. Basically, she said, you, not Scott, sorry, um, space cowboy guy, Jim Dandy. She left a message for him saying, you can have whatever you want. Um, you've taught me my lesson. You're right. Everything, everything you want. So he shows up to the house and he kills the cop that wasn't supposed to be there that shows up the last minute because that was her agreement, no cops. And um, they end up pulling him. Lacey's able to pull him into Bullion Moon. And he is just freaking out. You shouldn't be able to do this. You're not a you're not a poet. You're not a writer. You shouldn't be able to access this place. And one thing I believe, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but I really feel like one time when they were at Bullion Moon, um, some of the people that the Shrouded ones are the dead ones, I think. And or some of the, they're, or maybe they're just dead. And then the other one, then there's other ones that are broken, like crazy. Something's wrong with them. So I don't know the distinction. I don't know if it's just the shroud is what makes you dead. It might be that, but then it's maybe that guy, like they're about to die and they're in between, which is a good plug for my book, The In Between. Check out for more stuff about that later. But anyway. They're between life and death, and I guess they find late crossover, because if you think about it, time slows down in that dimension, so it could be like millions of years. They are thinking about it, but it only feels like five minutes over here, you know, or it's a millisecond here, and then they die, but they had that time to ponder it. Anyway, so she gets that kid pulled into there, and he gets ripped apart, literally, limb to limb by the long boy. And, um, so that's, and she takes his pieces and throws them over a bridge and lets them wash away. And that's the end of that guy. He's pretty mad because he's like, I'm a prophet. I'm the one who knows the truth. And, and, you know, he did. He was just crazy. <laughs> now, um, they did change his death. Like I said, um, Scott in the various flashbacks, the way Scott died in the miniseries was that he was giving a speech and started coughing. He wasn't feeling well. He disappeared to you and come back feeling better. And then he gets on the stage um, to actually do his presentation. And he starts coughing again. And then he, he throws up like, like a pond full of water, right? It's like projectile. And um, all the old ones came back. So I think basically... What happened was his, all the healing he had from Bullion Moon, his body rejected and all those wounds reappeared. And he was at the hospital, but they, they had him in the contagious ward just like they did for in the book. But in the book, it was like he had some kind of uh, crazy um, virus. They didn't know what it was, but in, in the miniseries, like, all his wounds are coming back. What virus would cause that? And they're just being stupid about it. No virus causes that kind of stuff, but um, he's just, like, kind of, like, telling her goodbye and everything, and then he loves her and everything, and he's just... he. She said, why didn't you go back to William Moon to get healed? Because she's like, go on, go real quick. And he says... The long boy's blocking the way. But that doesn't make any sense to me because he went and then came back and then he got sick immediately again. 
So I think, I don't know if he was bullshitting her or what, or maybe I wasn't understanding what was going on. I just, this, like I said, this is not one of my favorites, okay? Um, I was so glad when it was over and done with. So, um, that's how he passes. Um, all, he basically, William Moon, gives and it takes away. But he did, um, he did finally disclose at the very, very end through his journal what had happened with his father. And that's the final episode of this is her kind of like closing shop. She gives all these books and donates all this stuff to everybody. Like she doesn't want anything. She's getting it all out. She's going on with a fresh new life. And I like the shot of the empty library or study at the end because it made me think of Stephen King talking about his um, his inspiration for this. I, I'm, I almost wonder if it was like similar looking to his uh, shop or his study or whatever. Because his wife had um, emptied it out to paint it while he was in the hospital with pneumonia. And when she, he came back, she didn't want him in there. And because she didn't get upset because all his stuff was gone. He's like, oh, I died. He had kind of like a mini ex existential crisis. It's kind of cute. But um, anyway, so this book was born from that thought. So overall, uh, I think I covered everything. She moved on. She figured out how to live without him is what she was saying. That's the real bull hunt. And she also said, you know, by the way, she did she did remember, find out that he killed his father. Um, and I already told you earlier how he did that. And he stuck him in the well, just like in the book. That's his deep, dark, dirty secret, which I don't understand why people use this as a literary a, a device anymore. Because I don't think that people under, people think that's a dirty secret anymore. I'm not saying it's it wouldn't be a dirty secret if it really happened. But I just don't think that um, the reaction to the trauma is understandable by the modern mind. I think it's very traumatic. And I think it was appropriate for a child to be extremely traumatic that he had to do all that stuff. And that it was his deep, dark secret. But we're so over, um, overstimulated with all these crazy plot twists and just real-life crimes Serial killers, just like, you know, crazy people. They finally snapped and had a nervous breakdown and did all this stuff. So the idea of um, Scott being tortured his whole life and his deep, dark secret about what he did to his father, um, which remained undiscovered for all time, it's just, it doesn't, um, I don't think it emotionally registers the way it should to this generation of readers. So I think that it's just commonly used and I think um, writers are going to have to find a different way to um, convey that sense of extreme sh shame guilt the feeling that you deserve to go to hell if hell's a real place type thing feeling that you uh, should kill yourself or something like that that is like and I'm not I'm not trying to trigger anybody I'm just saying like that deep dark Fear, depression, like you'd rather die than someone find your real true secret out. I just feel like everybody's an open book now. And the only things that people are keeping secret are things that would put them in jail forever. And if someone told a secret like that, I killed my dad because uh, he's going to kill me. And he asked me to. People would be like, oh, well, I understand that self-defense. So it doesn't register. 
Like, they're just like, why, why are you upset about it, you know? And I'm not saying that's my reaction. I'm just saying, like, that's the modern reaction to people in these types of situations. And it's kind of just, it's it's just, uh, I guess you're just going to have to, uh, Mr. King, please um, just remember that, you know, you're living in the world of cannibals and zombies and just all these different crazy movies and concepts and they just keep getting darker and darker and weirder and weirder. So people don't have as much uh, sympathy for things like that. They're trying to, they're acting like, yeah, you should survive everything. So you're going to have to find a different device on that one to convey that type of feeling for people to understand how Scott was feeling. Cause at the end of the day, it's an, it's an old trick, and uh, it's probably time to, to, trick, to teach an old dog a new trick on that one. But anyway, um, I'm glad to see Carlo and is still hot, and uh, everybody did a great job in the cast. There was no complaints. Um, I only thing I will say is I hated the opening scene uh, credits with the the string, the puppets on the string that seemed really stupid. It felt like an adult version of Coraline. Which maybe was what they were going for, but believe me, you don't want an adult version of Coraline to be like your inspiration. Also, sorry, I just remember something. Some people have doubles there. And when Lisa came through and she was fighting uh, Jim Dandy and he ended up getting ripped up or whatever, so Jim Dandy was got ripped apart. It showed Scott looking around. And then all of a sudden it showed Scott's face change at the end of it. And I think that's when a veil got, went over him. And he had, and that's also, after all that was said and done, Lacey goes back to Booyah Moon like one last time. Um, well, a couple of times, but she goes to see where the long boy was blocking that way, that pool. Is what he had said. And she went to see Scott. And she told the long boy. He's just chilling. He's not being violent. He's not trying to eat her. He's not doing anything. He's just sitting there. She says, I need to see him. So he lets her go through. And I just don't understand that. Was that in the book? Because I don't recall that. But maybe I'm wrong. So she goes and she says, Scott. And he's in the he's wearing the veil. And he's walking into the water. And he looks kind of like grotesquely creepy in that veil it almost looks like he's melting so it was a very good visual and they say goodbye and he and he goes down into the water and and then he crosses over so even though he had already died in the realm that she lives in he lingered for a moment and then he finally crossed over and that's you know so she had that moment with him i forgot about that to mention that but anyway all right, so back to that. Um, I think if you read the book and you love the book, you should watch the miniseries. Um, I think it's too confusing without the book reference. Um, I know everything's trying to be edgier and edgier, but it doesn't make any sense uh, to throw all this information without any explanation. So it's up to you if you want to listen to the book or read the book. And then watch the movie, I mean the miniseries, but I would just recommend that you not do it unless you're super into it and you have to read the book first. Alright guys, um, thanks for chilling with me today. I'm trying to be a little bit more 
low-key on this one. Um, you guys, have a great day. Bye.